Right. Yeah, as you can see tonight, I want to speak about stewarding God's presence. Uh, you know, on a Sunday, normally we've got something we call a stewardship teaching. Stewardship basically means something has been given to you, now what are you going to do with it? Okay? And the same thing, we are in such a fortunate place as a church because not every church has the presence of God with them. You can put the word church on your building's building <laughs> above the door and, and, and think that's going to mean the presence of God will come. But actually, there's something special when there's a faith, when people come together really in a hungry way seeking the Lord. God comes and He responds with His presence because He loves faith. And I want to say to us, there's something of the presence of God that's been with us, especially for the last few weeks, that is wonderful and it's special. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what are we going to do with it? What do we do with the presence of God? When God comes into the room, when He moves, when we see Him moving in other people's lives, or we experience Him in our lives, what do we do with that? Because that's really an important question to ask. You know, we, we sometimes, I find myself coming to this place, well, I've got a bit of a misconception. I think that when I come into the presence of God, He is going to work in me automatically. He's going to fix everything while I'm just in His presence. And let me say to you, there have been times where I've just come into God's presence and He's changed me and I've walked out of His presence a different person. Anyone ever experienced that in your life? But there have also been other times where I've come into His presence and He's convicted me of things in my life. I've seen things that He wants to change so that I can reflect Him better. I've really experienced the closeness of God, and I've walked out, and nothing's changed because I think God wanted me to do something with it. He doesn't always do everything for us. He wants us to co-labor, come alongside Him. His presence does not always mean automatic change. The question is, when you come into His presence, what do you do? How do you respond when God's presence is on your life or when you're in a church like this where God is moving? What do you do? I want to tell you quick, two quick testimonies uh, from my life. One where God automatically changed things, and one where God actually highlighted things, and He gave me grace, but He asked me to take that, that moment in His presence further and actually walk that out and, 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 and work out my salvation with fear and trembling. He didn't automatically change me in a moment. And then I want to look at the Bible, how we see this scripturally, because it doesn't help I just tell you stories. But I remember <clears throat> as a young Christian, I'm just going to be very honest with you, that I, many times, I felt um, when reaching out to people that there were certain groups of people that I'm keen to reach out to and certain groups of people that I'm, like, I'm not so keen to reach out to. I, I, I was very happy. At, at some stage, we did an outreach during the 20, 2010 World Cup, and we were in um, the V&A waterfront, and it was people from all over the world, and we got an opportunity to reach out to these people from different nations, we evangelized, we took a week, and we just spoke about Jesus, and I loved it. I thought it was so brilliant. I could speak to these people. They could understand my language. We could connect on an intellectual level. We could speak about these things. We've got more or less the same culture because South Africa is like, it's not Europe completely, but it's like a little bite of Europe. Stellenbosch is like the closest you can get to Europe in South Africa probably as well, but it's like a little taste of it actually. And so I found that easy. I, I, it was easy to reach out to those people. It felt like these are my people. And then Martha would kill me if she hears this, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> she's not at church. That's why I'm preaching this tonight, because so, she's <laughs> away for the weekend. But in, in, also in 2010, I was asked to lead a small, no, to go on a small outreach 
to Uganda. And I did not want to go. I'm just being very honest here. This is sin in my heart. This is really, it's sin in my heart. Because I felt like I didn't know what I would be able to give these people. I, I thought, I don't know how to connect in their culture. I can't speak their language. It's just going to be difficult. I've been asked to go. And yes, I'll go, but I don't know if God is going to really use me. You call that little sin there, you call that prejudice. You call that having a prejudice in your heart. And one day I was in a worship session where the presence of God was there. We were, we were in God's presence. I just, I, I knew God was in the room and he was moving. And someone came forward with a prophetic word. And they said that they saw a picture of, 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 of someone with, there was grain all over the field. And they saw someone that was Jesus coming into the field, taking his sickle and cutting off some of the harvest and holding it close and saying, the harvest is mine. That's a simple thing. For you, that's just a picture that someone saw or that God dropped in, into their hearts and that they shared. But for me in that moment, in God's presence, God changed my life completely in a moment. He showed me that He loves the harvest. He loves people. And He does not have prejudice in His heart. He said, when I die, Jesus, Jesus died so that all men may be saved. All men and women. Every person can be saved. So who am I then, just got, in that moment God convicted me saying, who am I to say I prefer this and I don't prefer that? And I came to a moment of realization in worship where I knelt down before God and I said, God, anywhere you send me, I will go. Anywhere. If you send me to the poorest country on earth, I will go for your glory, for your sake. Listen, that's not going to be easy, but something in my heart shifted in that moment. It was the presence of God. He came and he did something. And then I'll tell you another testimony while that person's speaking on the phone. <laughs> I'll tell you another testimony, but um, many of you have been part of the church for a long time. You'd know that about a year, year and a half ago, I came out and I confessed an area of sin in my life that disqualified me for leadership. And I had to step out of leadership for a while while Mac and Odin came and they led the church in my stead for a season. And I can't tell you how many times that sin, God convicted me of that sin when I came into his presence. Because you know, when you come into the presence of God, is it not true that God highlights the impurities in you because he's a pure God? When you stand in front of the light, suddenly you see how dirty you are. And God does that. And I came into his presence many times on my own in the mornings when I would spend time with him or in a church service. We would come together in worship and I would just know that that thing is like a fly in the ointment. It's something I want to pour out my worship before Jesus, but I know that little thing is hindering me from doing it the way that I should. And I cried out to God in His presence, he, like His overwhelming presence, cried out to Him so many times, Lord, take this away from me. I do not want it. I do not need it. Please take it away from me. And I'm telling you, unfortunately, God did not. God did not. And sometimes God just takes things, things away. Sometimes He does not even in his presence. Let me look at this scripturally with you. Um, Saul is one of the baddies in the Old Testament, this guy called Saul. <laughs> you get the good guys and you get the bad guys. Saul started out as more or less a good guy, but he, um, he ended up being quite a bad guy. He was a, he was a, a guy where, where God literally just said, I'm not going to be with you anymore as the king. He was the, he was the king of, of, of the people of God, actually. But he displeased God so, God so much that God said, you go on on, on your own. I'm not going to be with you anymore. That's the type of baddie we're speaking about here. So he's got this sin in his life. And then you know what it's like when you become jealous. It's bad. You don't want someone else to succeed. 
where actually we are called to celebrate the, the victories of others, we start having this competition in our hearts. And so Saul is the king of God's people. He didn't want to be king, but God said you'll be king, and now he's king. And now he's taken that thing upon him. He's, he's become proud. He's become this person who says, I am the leader of God's people. That's who I am. And God sends another king. He anoints another king called David. David, a man after God's own heart. And God says, I'm going to make you the king. But it doesn't happen automatically. Saul needs to step down so that David can step up. And it's really interesting. I'm going to read you a portion of Scripture now where, where Paul, uh, Saul, sorry, that's the other guy in the New Testament, Saul in the Old Testament, comes into the presence of God to a magnificent extent, but it actually doesn't change anything because his response was not what God wanted, wanted it to be. How you respond and what you take from God's presence and what you do with God's presence is important. He did not handle it correctly. And therefore, God could not change him to a person that glorified him in the way that he should have. 1 Samuel 19, verse 22 to 24. <clears throat> then Saul himself, let me, let me give you some context, sorry. So what Saul does is he wants to go and kill David. I mean, then you know you don't like someone. I mean, I can say, oh, I don't like you, but like, if I want to kill you, I really don't like you. So he really didn't like him. So he sends some of his guys to go and find David. And when he comes to David, David is with the prophet Samuel, and they are prophesying and seeking God and worshiping. And then these people are like, we're not going to go get him now because he's, he's in the presence of God. They leave. Saul sends a second group of people. He says, okay, you guys go get him. The first group was not good enough. You do it. They come back. They're like, no, God, David is in the presence of God. And then he says, well, I'll go. I'm going to go. I'll go get David. It says, then he, Saul himself, went to Ramah and came to the great well that is, at, uh, that is in Seku. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? And one said, behold, they are at Naoth in Ramah. And he went there to Naoth in Ramah. And the Spirit of God came upon him also. Now listen to this. This is not, this is not a man that's just looking at the presence of God in others. He's experiencing the presence of God for himself. And as he went, he prophesied. He started prophesying, actually, until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And he, too, stripped off his clothes, and he, too, prophesied before Samuel and lay naked all that day and all that night. Does that sound like an encounter to you? <laughs> we spoke about it, I think, last week or two weeks ago about, about when God moves. Sometimes strange things happen, right? This was a strange thing. God moves, and they take off their clothes, and they lie naked on the floor. <laughs> But it was God moving. It's, it's very clear in Scripture. It was God moving. It might be uncomfortable for us, but it's God moving. Thus it is said, is Saul also among the prophets? Saul had such an encounter with God. He prophesied to such an extent that people did not even see him as a bad guy. They said, well, is this guy now one of the prophets, one of the people of God? Because he was so much in the presence of God. Um, uh, um, yeah, no, I've gone blank on your name. I'm starting to become getting Andrew's anointing completely. James. James would say he was thick in the presence of God. <laughs> he was thick in the presence of God. So he's, he's, he's in the presence of God. But because he does not do something with the presence of God, he just allows it to come over him. He gets his goosebump moment. It's like, I've got my hands in the air. It's wonderful. Oh, how amazing is this? It's so beautiful. Like I can, I can feel God around me. And then I go on and I just live my life as normal. Because a chapter later, we hear that he still wants to kill David, and he still hasn't dealt with the sin in his heart. So we have a responsibility as Stellenbosch PM. 
God is moving among us. God is coming close. God is working in this church. God is adding people. Salvations are taking place. God is really moving. His presence is here when we come together in worship. He is here. The question is, what are we going to do with that presence? Is it only going to be a nice goosebump moment? Say, well, that was nice. That was a nice time of singing. That was a nice sermon. I learned something. Uh, It it was wonderful. I liked it. It was was a nice feeling. Are we going to say, God, what do you want me to do with this so that I can change and, and show your glory more to the world? Because in that moment when you are in the presence of God, there is grace to change things and bring things before God that there isn't always. It's like I can, I can speak to God and just pray to Him and say, Lord, I've got this thing and that thing and that thing, but sometimes God comes close, and when I speak to Him then, it's like, I just, it's like my prayers are just listened to more. <laughs> there, I've just found that there are these times where it's like God is so close that I'm, I'm like, oh, I know that He's listening to my prayers at this moment. And we've got these moments where God is really actually coming close to us. Where I've seen him, just when I looked around in worship today, I see, saw a bunch of you crying as the presence of God was here. I looked around and I saw many hands lifted as people are worshiping God. And I can see they're passionately worshiping God. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. It's a wonderful testimony of what God is doing here. And when we've got those moments, we need to use it. And so, God, I've got this moment with you. What should I do? I bring my life before you. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? I'm going to read you two scriptures because the Bible says actually it teaches us to not only be hearers of the word, but it teaches us to be doers of the word. And that, what that means for us is when we come into the presence of God and even when he speaks to us through scripture, through a prophetic word, or just whispers something in your heart, which will always be in line with scripture. When he does that, it does not help that you are only a hearer of God's word. You need to be a doer of God's word. And we can come to a place as a church and find ourselves in a very, very dangerous place where we are only hearers. We're just enjoying it, but we don't do anything with what we enjoy. I, a bunch of years ago, I went to a church. There was a move of God there, and in one of the meetings, uh, there was actually a cloud that came into the meeting. I don't know if I've told the story. And there was like a cloud in the hall where they were gathering. And then like two weeks later, I went to this place just to go attend a conference there, And one of the things that bugged me is I was standing in worship, and as we're standing in worship, worshiping like this, the cloud was in the back of the hall, everyone's worshiping God, and every now and then they do this, and they they look, is the cloud here? No, the cloud's not here. Okay, Jesus, 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 cloud. No, cloud, not okay. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay, no, cloud. I said, Jesus. And we start doing that. We can become those type of people, even though it's not a cloud. We're just looking for the next glory moment. We're just looking for the next move of God, but we are only hearers of His Word. We are not doers of His Word. When He convicts us, we're like, oh, God, thank you for speaking to me, but I'm going to do nothing about that. That's not the type of people that we need to be. (laughs) We need to put into practice the things that God does in our hearts. Let me give you an example here. Um, Don't put it up yet, actually. Firstly, I want to show you this, because this scripture speaks specifically about a mirror. Let me actually, let me read it to you first. James 1, verse 22 to 24. But be doers of the word, and not only hearers, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. This is what the Bible is trying. I want to I practically illustrate this for you. 
Who of you have ever, I, I, I haven't used this example for a long time, so I can use it now. Some of you have listened to me preaching for years. Excuse me. But imagine you were, uh, just, I want you to be honest with me for a moment. You've got a mirror in your, in your uh, closet, and you open it up in the morning. Who can be honest with me and say you've, you've had this moment where you walk past the mirror, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, that's looking fine today. I'm looking good. Come be honest. Who's ever had that? You're like, <laughs> you wonder, like, how am I still single for the single people? <laughs> How's it even possible? I'm like, oh, this gym is paying off now, eh? I'm like, what's the time, eh? <laughs> Suddenly, you've all had that, right? <laughs> but similarly, who's ever had this, that you walk past the mirror and you're like, oh my head, what the heck? <laughs> Anyone had that before? <laughs> so I'm, you're like, oh, I just thought I was hot, now I'm like, not. <laughs> or for the modern people, right? We do this, we, we sit and we, the young people are not on Facebook anymore, Instagram, right? Lots of you. And so you go through your Instagram photos and a friend is looking at your photos through you and you, you like, you stop extra long at one of those photos where you tagged in because you're like, this is quite a fine photo of me right Yeah, Anyone, come be honest. <laughs> you're like, I look very photogenic in this one. This is like a good photo. This will go, I, I, I'll post this to my Instagram. You've had that. And then sometimes you go through a photo and it's one of those like, you're eating your burger. <laughs> and you think that's horrible. Or there's a massive zit on your face and you didn't know and you're like, oh, that's so ugly. There's a big zit on my face. Just skip over that one. Be honest. You've ever had those? You don't want to stop at that photo? <laughs> what the Bible is illustrating to us here is it doesn't help if you stop at a mirror and you look in the mirror and there's a big zit on your forehead and you just go... Oh, there's a big zits on my forehead. Walk away. Who does that? We don't do that, but actually we do that in God. With our natural bodies, we'd never do that. We'd, we'd quickly stop and like go, mm, huh? That's, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> Wipe the mirror quickly. <laughs> Give it a taste. No, oh, it's good. <laughs> Be honest with me, with our natural lives, we would never do that. We would stop and rectify the problem, right? We would rectify it. But in God, many times we think that just beholding the problem is enough and I can move on. But the Bible is saying here to you, if you are a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, it is like you are standing at that problem in front of that mirror, seeing the problem and saying, well, it's okay, I'm just going to move on with my life. But God is saying to you, no, when you come into my presence, I am going to highlight things in your life that do not please me because I'm a holy God. You're coming before a holy God. And I've got grace for you, but I need you to do something about the things that I'm showing you. It says it's like a mirror. When you look, do something about it. The Bible teaches us to do that. I'm going to read you another scripture, Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, 
and beat against that house, and it fell, and, the, and great was the fall of it. Jesus is teaching us that the way that we build our lives is to when he speaks to us, when he does something with our lives, we are not only to hear it, but we are to build our lives upon those things. We are to do something about it. And if we don't, there will be a fall. Your life will be fragile. If you are only a year of the word, you will be a fragile Christian. You will do well when worship is doing well, when the presence of God is there, when it's pumping at church, when it's nice, when there's a vibe. But when there's not that, you're going to be struggling because you are not someone that practically puts the discipline in place to be a doer of the word. When God speaks to you, we need to be a people that write it down. We need to be a people that say it to someone else, that bring it into accountable relationships, that pray about it, that study the word about those things, that get in there, that constantly, that doesn't forget about it, but that actually writes it down and says, this week in my quiet time, I'm going to go back to this thing. I'm not going to move from moment to moment with God, but when there's a moment, I'm going to sustain the moment by saying I'm going to do something about what God is showing me. Because the less you do something about it, the less God is going to show you. The less we listen to him, the less he's going to speak. I'm, I'm preaching this message not because I think it's just a good message to preach. I'm preaching this message because I've got a concern for us as a congregation. Not for all of us, but for many of us. Because we can easily fall into the place with what's happening in the church now that we are here because it's nice to be here. But we're not here because we want to be doers of the word of God. <clears throat> We're here because our friends are here. We're here because there's growth, because there's life. But we're not here because we want to practically come into God's presence and then do something with the things that he's showing us. And I want to call us to say we cannot be that type of church. We cannot be a type of church where every Sunday is just a moment. But we are not practically putting into practice the things that God is convicting us in our lives. Amen? See, I'm, I'm going to have a, just a, a moment of real talk with you. This is not me preaching. This is just me having a real talk with you. <clears throat> but uh, I, I, did, I spoke about this in the first meeting, and Andre said he, he actually feels like it's something I should maybe bring into this meeting. But, you, you know, I think the, the concern for me, the danger, again, this is just this is a family, this is a family meeting. I'm speaking to you guys as, as family now. The concern for me is if we... If church just becomes an experience for us, but we are not living this thing out day to day, the grind of Christianity, like the grind of saying, God, you have got my heart. I will, I will beat my body into submission. I will, I will persevere. I will work out my salvation with fear and trembling, as the Bible says. If we are not those type of Christians, then we find ourselves in a very dangerous place. And I really believe that God is actually on the move in this congregation. And when God moves, when his presence comes, there's normally change that happens, actually. <clears throat> Look at the book of Acts. Go read it. Do yourself a favor. Whenever the presence of God comes upon them, they don't just have it as a goosebump moment. They have it as a moment where then the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and then they go out and they proclaim the good news of Jesus. It activates them. And I think with what God is doing here, he's doing it for a reason, because he's got something for us as a church. He wants to move, he wants to shape us. And some, some I, I've, just, I've got a couple of concerns for us. So I, I'll, I'll mention some of those concerns. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Let me just go to my previous notes because I wrote it down for the, for the other one. I think I'm, 
couple of the, where is my, oh, there we go. A couple of the concerns that I have is, um, I feel like with our, our growth now at the moment, I'm just going to mention this first thing, we, we don't have so much space in this hall, right? We've got five people sitting on the floor, we've got the Netherlands people here, we've got a couple of the top, so we are okay, but we don't have so much space anymore. And what concerns me about that is I really don't want us to be a people that we, a church where people just come and then disappear and fall through the cracks. We're growing, actually, like we're growing to such an extent that I'm like starting to become concerned because it's easier and easier just not to come to a Sunday when I don't feel like it. Or for people to just be on the fringes and come because it's nice to be here. But the type of church that we want to build is actually a church where everyone is like saying, I'm here because I want to live for God. Not just have moments with God. I want to live for God. And I'm concerned because we might have to make moves at some stage. And I don't know if we're ready for it. <laughs> I'm wondering how much of us are really bought into this thing. Like I said, my life is laid down completely, even when it's uncomfortable. Because I think it's quite comfortable being here at the moment. It's nice. The passion of the other people is pulling many of us into a greater passionate relationship with God. And change actually means maybe having to go smaller, maybe having to plant another church out of this. And I'm just concerned if we do that, it might, might not be as easy as some of us thought, and we'd lose it because we're not grounded in God in the way that we need to be grounded in God. Does that make sense? It's a concern for me. We're either going to have to plant a church or we're going to have to ask some of you, some of the communities, two or three of the communities. I'm just having real talk here. This is family talk, right? To maybe even move to the 4 p.m. service. Let me say the 4 p.m. service is great, but yeah, lately there's been something special on the 6 p.m. service. There's been something special here. And it's going to be a sacrifice for you to go. And I'm concerned that for some of you the sacrifice will be too big because you're only a hearer of the word, but you're not a doer of the word. Concerned that it's too big when the vibe is not as, it, as much as now that you struggle. Concerned for that. We don't know what to do. We've been praying about it as elders. I've been laying awake at night. When I wake up in the morning, it's probably mostly the first thing I think about is like, God, what are we going to do? We've been looking for a different venue. I don't know if I can even say this. We do have a, a bigger venue, actually, for 2024, which is great. It's some place where we can probably bring a bigger group together. It's going to be lovely, but that's only in 2024. And I'm not going to ask God to stop the growth. I mean, why would I do that? If God's adding to us, then we can't say don't add to us. But I'm like wrestling with this thing because I'm like, God, ah. This is not a message because I, I, it's an old message I pulled out of a Tupperware bucket somewhere, right? <laughs> this isn't that. This is something I'm feeling for us as a congregation. I'll mention some of the reasons I'm, I'm wondering about this. <laughs> Hear me out, please. Like, I'm so scared to say this because I, I'm so scared some of you feel like this might be legalistic. I, I promise you this is not it. I'm going to speak about finances for a moment with you. <laughs> Financially... We have never been a congregation that has carried ourselves. Never. We probably, I don't know, say we'll we will never be, but that's also not the expectation. None of the senior leaders in Joshua have ever asked, hey, guys, why are you not pulling your weight as a congregation? It's not like that. We want church with other, other Joshua churches. Some of them, we like Robin Hood. We steal from the rich to give to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> And it's wonderful, and that's fine. So, so I'm honestly not saying this because the church needs money. We do not need money. God is our provider. You are not our provider. Okay. Yummy. 
I'm not saying this to put heavy on you, I promise. It's just sometimes money is a taboo subject that we can't speak about in church. But here's the thing, every Sunday, we put two minutes aside and we say we want to speak about finances because there's a quote on there by a guy called Randy Alcorn that says, uh, the Bible speaks about money twice as much as it speaks about faith and prayer combined in the Bible. The Bible says a lot about money. So every Sunday, all of us come here, oh there, <laughs> the Bible devotes twice as many verses to money as it does to faith and prayer combined. Now this is, I'm, if you're a visitor here, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to those who call Josh Chen home. Speaking to you now. Now every Sunday we come and we speak about finances and how to prioritize our finances and put God in our finance, first in our finances every single week. But my concern is, I'm going to tell you why, because I looked at some of the stats. I, the office sent us a thing just to have a look at what's actually going on. My concern is many of us are just hearing the word, because it's always scripture. We're hearing the word, but we're not applying it. That makes us dangerous as Christians. Not only with finances, but I'll tell you this. So for me, it's not about the amount that you give, but God expects us to give every one of us, but it's not about the amount. God praised the poor widow who gave two mites. She gave only the little bit that she had. He said, she has got the faith. It's not about what she's giving. It's about the heart. It's the sacrifice of giving. And the guy who gave a lot and bragged about it, he was like, I don't care about that because God doesn't need your money. He is the provider. He doesn't care about that, but it's that you give. And if you are coming every Sunday and you're listening, but you're not putting your faith, you're not putting what you hear into action, you are becoming you're coming to a dangerous place in your Christianity. You are looking in the mirror. You're being confronted with the mirror every single week, and you're like, nah, I don't care. And every time you come to the mirror, it becomes easier to say, nah, I don't care. Easier and easier. And after a while, you don't even see the zits on your face anymore because you've hardened your heart to it. The office sent us this little thing just for us to see. And it's interesting because for me, uh, money is an interesting thing because the Bible says where your, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So if I look at people, if people are investing their money into the church, then I know their heart is in the church. That's why I want to look at the money, not because we need it. We're actually okay financially. We're doing, God has blessed us magnificently. But it's interesting, they sent us this thing to see not how much money comes in, like that's always been like not enough for us, but it's been how many deposits come in. On a Sunday, we have regularly now for the last while, we've been over 300 people on a Sunday attending. The number of deposits a month is about 100 deposits. That means 200 people are coming most Sundays. Hear me out. I feel like I don't want to put heavy on you guys. I want to speak as like an older brother in the house and say, this is, again, this is family talk. But 200 people are coming. This is indicative of a bigger problem for me. It's not a money problem. It's a bigger thing. Amen? Are you hear me? It's a bigger thing. 200 people are coming on a Sunday listening and not doing what they hear. Isn't that a problem? We're not putting our faith into action. Or you don't agree, but if you don't agree, you have to speak about it. If you don't think you need to give the church some of your money, then come speak to me and I'll, we can sit with the Bible. Because the Bible says that the worker is worthy of his wages. Paul actually says, I have a right to ask for some of your money. He didn't always, and we won't. I will never lord it over you. We'll never say you have to do it. And I know that some of you, all you can afford is 20 rand a month or 10 rand a month because all you get is 100 rand a month, whatever, right? That's not the point, but that you give is the point. I've got my theology about how much I think we should, what should be a springboard for how much we give, and we speak about those things. 
But that's not even the point. If you can only, if you can start by giving something, that's already, I'm already feeling better about where our hearts are at. Am I making sense? I know I'm asking a lot, but I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm on dangerous territory here because I don't, wanna, I don't want you to feel like this is legalistic. I really don't want it to feel like that. Let's speak to you about our communities at the moment. We've got, those of you who are new, we've got communities. It's our home groups in the church. And um, we, we, on a, we've got on our WhatsApp groups, we've got our comm leaders just fill in a little form with feedback for us every week so that as elders we know what's going on in the small groups because church can't be lived out only in this setting. It needs to be lived, lived out in smaller groups where you can actually speak, be challenged. You have to be in a home group, actually. You have to find a place where you meet in homes as well. You have to. Otherwise, your Christianity is incomplete. It's not the way that God wants it for you. You have to. So it's, an, it's really important for us. I, I, I am some, Sunday importance is, uh, I'm, like people coming on a Sunday is important, but people being part of our own group, that's, I would say even at times that's more important. Because that's where you're going to live this thing out. People are going to be there for you. So it's just interesting. On our, on our thing, we've got 300 and something people on our community WhatsApp groups. And on a normal Wednesday evening, we've got 220 people more or less that attend. Now, I get that not everyone can attend always. But sometimes that bugs me because I'm like, Ugh, if my heart's there, I'm probably going to get my bum there. <laughs> I'm probably going to make a plan. I'll probably only go for an hour if I have to. I'll study another time or... I get that there are times where we can't come. I'm not expecting it to be always 100%. But man, I'm, I'm like, I'm concerned because we speak about this Sundays in and out. Sunday in, Sunday out, we speak about community, community life. Okay, get part. Don't only be on a Sunday. Don't be a consumer Christian. Live this out with people around you. We live for that. And then I'm like, oh, but I don't know if people are, are, are taking it to heart. It concerns me. Can't only be hearers of the word. We need to be doers of the word. And then on our larger WhatsApp group, we've got over 400 people, but we've got 300 on the community WhatsApp groups. That means there's 100 people attending now and then that aren't in community yet. And I understand. Sometimes it's maybe not something that you understand yet. You haven't seen it, but I want to say, oh, man, once you find family in the house of God, it's going to be a totally different experience for you. And I want to ask you, if you're just attending and you like the Sundays, but you're like, oh, I'm not so sure about the small group thing, Oh, come on, please. I want to beg with you, actually. There's something when we meet together in smaller groups. Working through. It actually helps us to, when we hear something, to work it through. We tell our community leaders, we trust you. Do whatever you feel God wants you to, to do on a Wednesday evening. But mostly, make it in line with what God is doing on a Sunday. Because we need to chew this thing through. We need to not only listen, but we need to be doers of the word. Um. Visitors, I think we actually, we're doing quite a, are we doing, I don't know actually how we're doing, <laughs> to be honest, because I, I just, I don't know how we're doing with our visitors, but that's always something that concerns me, because I know how daunting it is to walk into a church for the first time. It's incredibly daunting. I was about to come onto eldership in Sunningdale. I went to the church for the first time, and I was so, like, I didn't know what to see, say to everyone. It was so daunting that I went to hide away in the bathroom. I locked myself in the bathroom and waited for the service to start. That's me, part of church for years, about to come onto eldership. It was too much for me, and I'm an extrovert. <laughs> and then I think, Shane, the poor extroverts had come here. <laughs> it's like not even a place to sit, and, and still they come. <laughs> like, well done to them. But we have a responsibility to pull those people in, and I get that you don't know all the people around us. I, I get that. But a visitor is not difficult to spot. They look awkward. <laughs> 
they like really they're not they're not difficult to spot many times before the service they come sit in here because they don't know what to do outside and all of us are enjoying it outside and we've been speaking about that so much and i'm just like guys are we applying it when i walk out and i see little holy idols it bugs my heart bugs my heart because i'm like oh man these people that need to be drawn into spiritual family and we hear it so much but are we doing it i'm not saying we should do it perfectly but are we trying is it feeling heavy or is it okay (laughs) okay huh (laughs) so there's probably a bunch of things i can say but But I genuinely want you, if you're sitting here, I I really want you to ask the question to yourself because only you can ask it. What am I doing with what God is doing in me? What am I doing with the presence of God that's coming into me? When I read the Bible in the mornings and the presence of God is there and something is highlighted to me in the Bible, what do I do with it? Do I store it as knowledge? No, that's cool. I've never seen that. Or do I say, I want to do something with this? When people speak in front in church, do I go like, oh, that was a funny story, and, and that's all I remember from the week? And sometimes that happens. It sucks as a preacher, but it happens. That's all people remember. Or am I saying, I'm actually, I'm not saying you should always take notes. Sometimes God is just there, and you don't have to take notes. You should just sit and receive. But am I at least writing down things that God is convicting me of and taking it back to God in my quiet times? When we do a stewardship teaching, a finance teaching, have I ever gone onto the website, looked at the details? Have I given 10 rand in faith? That's what I'm asking. If you've never given, give 10 rand in faith. Just do that. Because that's one step closer to listening more to what God is asking you to do. Not only being a year. It's not about the money. It's about taking that step. So I'm going to ask you. You can only answer that for yourself. We're all probably on a scale somewhere between like sometimes I listen and sometimes I don't. It's probably not a zero or 100 for most of us. It's somewhere in between. But if you had to evaluate your heart, I wanted to ask you are, you, are you a hearer of the word or only a doer? What do you do when the presence of God is there? Do you do something with it? Can we maybe stand as we end?